0: In just a moment, recollections at 30. But first, dog days are here, at least so far as NBC's Monitor is concerned. Yes, this weekend the popular radio service dedicates a number of variety features to man's best friend. For instance, you'll meet a cocker spaniel with 1500's jet flower time hours to his credit, and you'll hear stories about the town dog catcher. While in addition to such human interest specialties, Monitor also covers the big sporting events. From Baseball to Researching, and brings you interviews with the stars. Rosemary Clooney, Henry Fonda, Carol Channing, and Robert Young, just a few of them. Enjoy NBC's Monitor all weekend. Now, Recollections at 30. Recollections at 30. NBC, celebrating its 30th year of broadcasting, invites you to memorable moments of radio's earlier days. In this special series of broadcasts, you'll reminisce among NBC's vast and historic library of sound. You'll hear the stars, the songs, the great moments in sports and special events that have highlighted these 30 years of NBC network broadcasting. And here, guiding our recollections at 30, is Ed Hurleyhe. Thank you, Fred Collins. You know, one interesting thing about radio is that while it developed new forms of entertainment, it also helped preserve the old forms. Tonight we're going to hear examples both of the new kind of entertainment that came in with radio and of an old tried-and-true form that for so many decades was tremendously popular in every hamlet in America. I refer to the minstrel show, of course. The minstrel show that has gone out of fashion now. But some of you must surely remember them as I do, and you must remember, too, the days of the NBC minstrels. The announcer would give a tongue twisting introduction. Well, he might say If you want a smooth, symphonic, sizzling session of swings, snickers, songs, and streamlined superlatives, then follow the crowd inside, where you'll meet Gene Arnold and the cleverest, convulsingest collection of convincing comedians conceivable. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Uh, gentlemen.
2: gentlemen, be seated.
1: Say, Ken, hmm? Ken, tell me, uh, uh, how'd you come out, of uh, that operation last week?
3: Oh, I came out of a genie. Did you? Yeah, but I was sure scared in that horse whistle. Why, what was there to be afraid of in the hospital? Well, when I come out of the anesthetic, uh, out of the, oh, you uh, mean when you
1: came out of the anesthetic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when,
3: uh, when I come to, well... There I was with the operation all over, mm. and the shades was all pulled down on the windows.
2: Shades pulled down on the windows? Mm. Why was that?
3: Well, I asked the doctor about it, and he said them shades was down because there was a fire across the alley, and he didn't want me to wake up and think the operation had been a failure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: what about you, guys?
4: Vance? Hey, Vance. Hey, Vance. Listen, yeah. where are you,
2: where, are you, where are you going all dressed up like you are?
4: Oh, Mr. Jean, I was going to a duke dinner. A what? A duke dinner.
2: Oh, no, you mean a duck
4: dinner. No, I mean a duke dinner. You see, Mr. Jean, I went duck hunting with a duke. Yes. And I shot a duck from the dock. The duke didn't duck. I missed the duck and hit the duke. Yeah. (laughs) So, we roasted the duke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen... Vance McCune things.
4: I hold her hand, and she holds mine. Now, I hold her hand, and she holds mine. Oh, ain't nature grand? Now, I feel a chill run down my spine. Oh, ain't nature grand? Now, uh, nature made her, uh, as it should. You know, not too bad and n- not too good. But, uh, with me, it done the, the best it could. <laughs> Boy, ain't nature marvelous, mm. Now, uh, she sings flower in my ear. Yes, indeed, to beat the band. But, <laughs> I'm deaf and I can't hear. Boy ain't nature Grant. Now she wears skirts that catch the eye. I'll admit uh, she wears them high But uh, she's got two good reasons why Boy, Woo! ain't nature Grant Who
0: <laughs> <laughs> ain't nature Grant? Well, that in 1937 was an old and traditional form of entertainment, the minstrel show. But earlier in the same decade, NBC introduced a newer form of entertainment, the typical happenings of an average married couple. Easy aces. Fifteen minutes, five times a week in the early evening. Remember? Just some dialogue, just Jane and Goodman Ace, and how everybody loved them. Here's an example reserved for us on a recording made at that time. Jane Ace has just gone to the telephone. Listen.
5: Hello? Yes. Yeah. Uh, just fine, thanks. Uh, how do I like what? Oh, the weather. Well, it's too cold for me. I guess I'm a blue blood or something, but I can't stand the cold anymore. When we were in Florida last month, it was keen. You knew we were in Florida, didn't you? You didn't? Oh, yes, we were there for two weeks. Well, sure, I wanted to stay longer, but it was just like pulling teeth from a baby to get Mr. Ace to stay two weeks. What? Oh, I sure did. I was on the beach every day. Oh, you should see my arms and my back and my... Oh, what'd you say? Oh, I was careful. I rubbed all over with olive oil. I was black as the ace of spades. Uh, Mr. A says I was black as the eight ball. He said he was What's behind me. going it. on
6: there? Who are you talking to, James?
5: Uh, Why? Oh, hold the phone a minute, please. Uh, what did you say, dear? Uh, who
6: are you talking to there?
5: Oh, uh, Hello. Uh, Who is this please?
6: Oh, isn't that awful, talking all that.
5: Oh, uh, Mr. Anderson, well, I didn't know. Anderson,
6: great. Get off of that phone. Let me have Uh, that. Just
5: a minute. Mr. Ace wants to speak to you. Jane, how
6: can you talk to my boss like that? You'll think it's... Do you talk to everybody that calls up without finding out who they are? Well, I
5: couldn't be impolite, and he kept asking me how I like the weather. Yes,
6: but don't you ask who you're talking to before
5: you... Well, I just happened to forget this once. What difference does it make?
0: The easygoing type of humor exemplified so well by Easy Aces was, of course, not the only kind on early radio. Big variety shows were often built around famous entertainers, and there developed the comic interview, which was something pretty new at the time. We've got an example here from Shell Chateau, starring the late Al Jolson.
1: The next star we're presenting in Shell Chateau tonight is a man I've known for a long time. He grew up in New York on the east side, and after he got tired of taking lickings from all the other kids in the block, he learned to box, and then they let him alone. But he kept on fighting till he became the light heavyweight champion of the world. And I'm sure you're all glad to see him here in Shell Chateau tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Slapsy Maxy Rosenblum. Maxy? <laughs> Maxy? How did you happen to become a professional fighter? Well, Al, when I was a kid, I used to take a lot of beatings in street fights on east side of New York until I found out I could get paid for it. And my first manager was George E. Raff. George E. Raff. Well, you certainly had a fine fellow managing you. Tell me, Maxie, when you started fighting, didn't your family object? Sure. I used to come home with black eyes all the time. And my father would always bore me out. I remember after my first professional fight, I came home with a black eye, and my father started to go for me with a trap. I said, wait a minute, Pop. Look what I got for this black eye. And handed him a $20 bill. And when he saw that, he said, Maxie, when do you fight again? How many how many professional fights have you had, Maxie? 300. Well, out of the 300, tell me, how many did you win? I won 280 out of the 300. And out of the 20 that I lost, I beat most of those fellas later and returned bouts. Oh, that's a swell record. Maxie, I want to ask you something. What was the toughest fight you ever had? Well, Al, uh, the toughest fight I ever had was with a guy called Hambone Kelly practically an unknown. Mm -hmm. He hit me with a right hand, and down I went. Everybody thought I was out. But if ever anybody put up a tough fight, it was me. I got up off the floor, bought that guy off his feet, and gave him the worst lacing he ever had in his life. Boy, I certainly was tough that night. Uh, you think that's tough? That's nothing alongside of what I did. When you talk about tough, just listen to this. You know that guy Joe Lewis that knocked out Canera the other night? Yes. Well, you should have heard what I told him. I told that guy plenty. I told him he was nothing but a big palooka, a big sissy. I told him I'd blacken both his eyes and bust his nose in, two. You told Joe Lose all that. What did he say? What could he say? I hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, you had me thinking you were tough. But I'll never forget the time in one of my fights. My opponent was down, and I begged him to get up. Your opponent was down, you begged him to get up? Why? He was on top of me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Maxie. I'm the comedian here. Yeah, that's what you think. (laughs) I'm a comedian, too. (laughs) Before I know it, before I know it, you'll tell me you're a singer of songs. Say, I can sing, too. Tell Victor to play, and I'll give you an imitation of Harry Richmond. Hey, listen, what has he got against Richmond? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Well, you might as well go ahead. (laughs) Richmond isn't here to defend himself. (laughs) When you're blue and you don't know where to go to, I don't you know where Holland fit. You're putting on a red. bangle counterpart. Beh- <laughs> hey, what's that bow for? Nothing. Just a major boat special. <laughs> yeah, well, when I hear a bell, it means fight. Listen. If you don't stop singing, there'll be a fight. All right, all right.
0: So Maxie got the gong. I suppose everybody knows what it means to get the gong, but the phrase really entered the language via the Major Bose Amateur Hour. Some of the contestants on this show were so very, very amateur that Bose had to stop them, and he did it with a gong. Many of us can easily recall the Major's friendly greeting.
2: Good evening, friends, and once again the wheel of chance, our uh, fate as you please, is about to revolve. And as the barker, standing at the wheel of fortune, says, around, around she goes, and where she stops, nobody knows. Or does anybody know what will happen when these young people step to the microphone, and perhaps therein lies a charm. Now, standing in front of me are ten gentlemen in highly decorated uniforms, Charlie Oppinger's fife, drum, and bugle call. Any relation to the fife and tens? Nine? <laughs> well, of course, uh... <laughs> Mr. Charlie Offinger, I suppose the gentleman has that baton, and what a baton it is. Chromium plate. Let's hear the fife and drum, and bugles. fine. There's no charge for that last one, is there? (laughs) Well, the trouble with that is you couldn't hear the bell if I rang it. Well, I want to say that it's mighty nice to put a person to sleep, and it's very interesting. I'm glad you came, and we should come again sometime. Where are you from? Richwood in Brooklyn. Well, I declare, isn't that fine? Fine lot of upstanding boys. What do you do between times? Well, uh, some of us working on the CWA. Oh, yeah. Well, do you play your pipe and drum corps there? Every Monday night. I'll bet you're tired at the end of the day. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much indeed. Now, let's see what have we next here. Beatrice? Beatrice Friend, 8606 8606 Boulevard, uh, Rockaway Beach. All right.
4: I play fiddle for the song. Oh! Fiddle for When he said play dusty, dusty, I would
2: play a hot I play fiddle <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Friend. Bring your fiddle along next time to the House. <laughs> I think it'll be nice. Very enjoyable indeed. You know these broadcasts are extremely informal. These are mostly young people without experience. The nervous strain is considerable, although perhaps not as great as you think. I find the listening audience worries a good deal more about them than they seem to do about themselves. They take it all in good spirit. When the gong rings, they seem to feel well. We'll try again sometime. We've had a good time, and it's all velvet anyway.
0: (laughs) I spoke a little while ago about the big dramatic shows. In the 30s, these usually were one hour in length, and in the course of that hour, you got a little bit of everything, comedy, music, and short dramas. During the past week, I've been playing the recordings of many of these dramas, and one of them particularly interested me because, like everyone else who lived through those days, I was an admirer of the star of this playlet. I refer to the late Leslie Howard. This serious, pleasant, soft-spoken Britisher was one of the most thoroughly professional actors I've ever known. And here he is to do a scene with his daughter, Leslie Ruth Howard, who was then ten years of age. Mr. Leslie Howard.
6: Three things they say come not back to men or women. The spoken word the past life, and the neglected opportunity. There is no second chance. Each road we take, each choice we make, is done, and done forever. But suppose you could turn back the clock. Suppose there were a land of the second chance, an enchanted forest that might have been, a timeless place where the things you should have done are real a land of the second chance. Can you imagine what that would be like? Go a step further, then, in imagination, with Sir James Barry and with me. Suppose I'm a a man named Will Durst, an artist, a fashionable portrait painter. I'm in the middle years, and somewhere back in those years, I took a wrong turning. I've become cynical in a rather shallow fashion. My wife hates me. I despise her. I have no children. Once back there, I I did want a child. How different things might have been, I think, if I had had that child. I'm standing now before a door that leads from my house to the garden. I walk through the door. Suddenly, I'm in a moonlit forest. Fearing, drenched with moonlight. I'm sitting before an easel, painting. And standing beside me in the moonlight is a little girl. I don't know now in the forest if this is my daughter that might have been. I only know this is my daughter.
4: The moon is rather pale tonight, isn't she?
6: <laughs> Comes of keeping late hours.
4: I can't sleep when the moon's before. She keeps calling to me to get up. But I'm her daughter,
6: too. <laughs> you look it tonight, you know. Do I? Margaret, what's this?
4: It's a tear.
6: I should think it is a tear.
4: That boy at the farm did it. He kept calling snubs after me. But I got him down and kicked him in the stomach. rather a jolly boy.
6: Yeah, he sounds it. He goes, what a night.
4: And what a moon. It's too lovely, Daddy. I won't be able to keep hold of it. What is? The world. Everything. And you, Daddy, most of all. Things that are too beautiful can't last.
0: Things that are too beautiful can't last. Well, maybe. But we can make them last longer. These old program records permit us to recapture some of the beauty of the past, at least. Rosa Poncel, for example. No opera lover will ever forget the brilliant coloratura soprano of the Metropolitan Opera Company. Well, back in 1933, she was celebrating her 15th season with the Met, at the same time that NBC was celebrating its seventh birthday, so the two celebrants got together. Here's Graham McNamee, who emceed the celebration show.
3: Hundreds of telegrams have been arriving during the past week from all over the world, congratulating Miss Fonsell on the 15th anniversary of her spectacular debut. Here are just a few. Miss Rosa Fonsell, New York City. Connecticut, your home state, is proud of you. The depth and sincerity of our wish for its long continuance should warm your heart on this anniversary. Wilbur L. Cross, Governor of Connecticut. Miss Rosa Poncel, New York City, when I had the pleasure of presenting you for the first time on the stage of the Metropolitan, you held forth by reason of your indisputable qualities great promise. Today, I agree with the universal opinion in recognizing that you have fulfilled that promise, conquering a magnificent position in America and in Europe, and thus doing the greatest honor to yourself and to the Metropolitan. Guilio Gatti-Cazaza, General Manager, Metropolitan Opera Association. Fifteen years ago tonight, a newcomer to American opera faced the great Enri- Enrico Caruso across the footlights and sang the splendid aria from La Forza del Destino, Pace Pace Mio Dio. Beginning in the Nickelodeons of Meriden, Connecticut, this golden-voiced young soprano had climbed to Cabaret, Vaudeville, and now in one dazzling leap to the stage of the Metropolitan. Her song ended, there was a momentary hush of delight. Then tumultuous applause swept the golden horseshoe, and the entire house rose to hail the advent of Rosa Poncel. This evening, Miss Poncel, joining her anniversary celebrations with those of the NBC network, sings for us the aria in which she scored her first trial, Pace Pace Mio Dio, from La Forza del Destino.
0: That's just a portion of Pache Pache mio Dio, the famous aria that Rosa Poncel sang in 1933. Well, that's it, except to say that we'd like to hear from those of you who would like to hear particular artists or particular shows that you recollect. We aim to please. Remember, drop a card to Recollections at 30, here of N Hurley, the National Broadcasting Company, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York City. And I'll be glad to see what I can do about filling your requests on Recollections at 30. Next week, join me to hear Rudy Valley sing again. And to hear another hilarious visit with Fred Allen and Luman Abner. And, well, you tune in and see if your favorite recollections are included next week on Recollections at 30. Ed Hurley has been your host on Recollections at 30. Next week at this time, there'll be another in this special series commemorating NBC's 30th year of broadcasting. This is Fred Collins, hoping you'll be able to join us then for more of the great stars and great moments of the past. Recollections at 30 is directed by Bob Maurer. Groucho Marx brings you You Bet Your Life tonight on NBC Radio. WBAL Radio 1090 Baltimore, the station associated with the Baltimore News Post and Sunday American.